He says, truly I say to you, whatever this, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world. Now, what is the gospel? Let me tell you simply what the gospel is in a very simple sense. The gospel is God loves you and Jesus died for you. And you can receive the love of God. You can receive the free gift of salvation. You can be saved, okay? In a very simple sense, that's the gospel. But he says, wherever the gospel goes about the good news, that Christ died for you, that God loves you, he doesn't want you to perish, that you can believe and receive the free gift of salvation, he says, I want what this woman has done, that 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 should also be told with the gospel as a memorial of her. This is the only place in the New Testament that there's anything mentioned of a memorial. We have a stadium at OU, and uh, this guy gave a bunch of money, and it's now his family's memorial stadium. <laughs> People memorialize themselves, right? This guy gives a bunch of money. It's usually related to money. Memorialized. Well, we Christians don't, you know, the more you realize, you know, the Lord, we really don't, don't think that anybody should probably get any memorials. But the Lord says the woman, there should be a memorial of her. He's the only person. He didn't say give a memorial for Peter. He didn't say Paul should have a memorial. And John should have a memorial. But this woman, what she, this act should go with the gospel. When you preach the gospel and say, God loves you. God died for you. God has given his blood. He wants to, you to have a gift of eternal life. Then he says, you need to tell with the gospel this little story about this woman. And you might think, well, why does this story go with this? Well, because... What this woman, this woman loved Christ. She loved Jesus so much that she took this precious ointment and she broke the flask, I guess one of them says. Uh, Maybe not. Anyway, she poured out what was in the flask. She just poured it out on him, poured it out on his head, poured it out on his feet, even washed his feet with it, and a fragrance filled the house. And it was very valuable. Very valuable. I doubt she was wealthy. She gave up everything. She probably didn't have another flask in reserve. And the Lord was very touched by this, very impressed with this, and said, this should accompany the gospel. What she's done is right. What she's done is good. What she's done should be memorialized, and I want it to go with the gospel. And you may think again, what is the deal? What is the effect of this? Let me tell you the effect of this. The effect of this is this. God loves you. God gave himself for you in the person of Christ. He died for you. He wants to come and live in you. And what does he want? He wants you to love him and to pour out your life on him. And that's what this means. You know, the great commandment in the Bible, they asked the Lord, they said, what is the great commandment? What's the greatest commandment? And the Lord said, the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind. God loves us. He wants us to love him. Okay, so as we begin looking at church history and begin looking at some of the stories of these young people, we have to keep this in mind. Here are some young people that poured out on the Lord. Now, what did they pour out? Well, well, we'll see some of the particulars, but in general we could say this. They poured out their life. They poured out their future. For all oh, future, for a young person, is too precious. 
The future is before all the young people. Me, the future is not, I don't know how long. It's not that big of a thing, you know, because I'm already 54 years old. But when you're 20 years old, when you're 18 years old, you're 20, even 22, 23 years old, the future, all that's before you, is too precious. The hopes, the dreams. This is the most precious thing that young people have. The most precious thing is not so much what you have, but it's what is before you. The dreams of the future, the hopes of the future, the ambitions of the future, the most precious thing. And as we'll see with many of these young people, after they received the love of God, after they were touched by the love of God, as Paul said, they became constrained by the love of God. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The love of Christ constrains me. He died for all, that we should live no longer to ourselves, but we should live to him. Paul is one who was constrained. He poured out his future. This is the most precious thing. And the Lord said this should be spoken with the gospel. This is a memorial. That means the Lord was so happy with it. He was so happy. She poured it out. It was a waste in a sense. She just poured it out. She didn't dip it out. She didn't dab it out. She didn't measure it out. She poured it out. Young people are reckless. This was a reckless act. Pour out this precious oil. The disciples were even bothered about it. John and Peter, they said, come on, this is too much. This is too much. I mean, Jesus is good, but don't just throw away everything. And let me tell you, some of the stories of these young people, particularly one I'm thinking of now, I'll share it with you. Exactly. More than one. Too many. They serve the Lord and then they want to pour their life out. And even sometimes the believers, sometimes the relatives, sometimes the family, stop. Don't do this. You're too much. You know, Don mentioned C.T. Studd last night very briefly. I'm going to go back and tell you his story in a little bit more detail. But, but as he was struggling with the Lord about going to China, this guy, he was from an enormously wealthy family in England. He was, a, he was the, the number one cricket player in England. Cricket. We don't even hardly know what it is. <laughs> but over there, it's like football and basketball combined. It's everything. It's the British national pastime. And in India, they play it in all the places where the, the empire was. Uh, he was the number one cricket player. He was at Cambridge, the top university. His family was enormously wealthy. He was, the blood in his veins was blue. <laughs> Pure blue. <laughs> and, uh, he gets saved by the preaching of D.L. Moody. You know, they're talking about this light, lighting others. It's very interesting how you trace church history and one connects to another and one connects to another. Moody was saved by, you know, he was a shoe salesman. He was a boy who lived in America and he was not a Christian, but his dad died when he was young and so he had to go live with an uncle in Boston and uh, the uncle was a Christian and so he said, you can live with me if you'll go to Sunday school every Sunday. And so Moody said, you know, fine, no problem. So, you know, I need a place to live. So he started going to Sunday school. The Sunday school teacher realized this boy, young boy, he's probably 18 years old, he wasn't saved. One day, the Sunday school teacher, a very average man, 
was praying and the Lord burdened his Sunday school teacher, go to where Moody is a shoe salesman. He was a shoe salesman. And he said, go to where he is, go in his store and preach the gospel to him. So this, this, this guy, his name was Kimball, Charles Kimball, he struggled with this very much. But eventually he went to, to where Moody was sell, selling shoes and he even passed by, so he didn't have the courage to walk in. He came back and he walked in. He just walked up to Moody behind the counter and he was really nervous. And he put his hand on his shoulder and he said something like, the Lord loves you and he wants you to receive him. Something like that. And he started crying. And Moody was so touched that this guy who barely knew him would cry that right there on the spot he just gave his heart to Christ. And then Moody is raised up by the Lord, and eventually he winds up in England. He preaches a gospel message that saves first C.T. Studd's father, and then C.T. Studd, okay? And then Studd is on fi- gets on fire for the Lord through some circumstances uh, within the next year or so, and he begins to feel this burden to go to China. And uh, when he's struggling with this, his family was absolutely against it, of course. And they say, you're going to bury yourself in China. You're going to bury yourself there. In other words, you're going to you're going to be lost there. It's just worthless. And he was struggling. His mother was weeping. And as his mother was weeping and he was struggling, the verse came to him that those of your own household will be your enemies. And he just realized, the Lord, I can't, I can't. As much as he hated to uh, disappoint his mother, he just realized I can't be influenced by it. I have to follow the Lord. And he did. Went to China, went to India, eventually went to Africa, and he wasn't satisfied just to go like most of them would go on the on the uh, seashores. You know, it was easy to go in the coastal cities. Well, not that easy, uh, especially in these days. You know, to travel to China from England was a six-month journey, and then you get there and there's nothing there, no, nothing. You know, not only was it 1860 or so, it was, it was China. There was nothing there. And yet, these men wanted to go into the interior to preach where Christ's name had never been preached. Who would do that but young people? And so he went there, and then eventually he felt, who's doing this for Africa? So he went to work today, the Belgian Congo. Of course, it wasn't the Belgian Congo. Then it was the deep interior of Africa. He lived there for years. His wife couldn't even come with him because she was too ill by himself. Finally went back to England after a number of years, and the doctor said, you can't go back, you can't go back. But he went back. <laughs> and he died there, you know, after he spent years and years there. But anyway, this is a man, what did he pour out? He, he, when, he, when he experienced this, he was 18 years old. When he went to China for the first time, he was 21 years old, I think. He poured out everything. It, was there no fragrance to this? Let me tell you, there was a fragrance. That fragrance even touched Queen Victoria. Someone sent her a little uh, brochure of his speaking to some of the students. Even she was touched by this. It was, it was caused a big stir in all of England, actually. But anyway, uh, that's just one story. What, what did he pour out? More than anything, he poured out himself. He poured out his future. He poured out his dreams. He poured out his hopes. And the Lord used him. And the Lord has used many others. 